I think if we improve on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, from a discipline standpoint, from a fundamental standpoint, from a technique standpoint, from a communication standpoint, and the fruits of those things will, will, will show hopefully sooner than later, but they'll, they'll show up. What's going on, fans? And thank you for tuning in to Dolphins Junkie Podcast. We're your host, Batman2423. And your boy, Anzo Red, bringing you the latest and up-to-the-minute Miami Dolphins football news. And if you haven't yet, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Tuning in to episode 14, we're going to be discussing several topics on the Miami Dolphins. First off, we're going to get off with the Parker beef that happened over on social media with Michael Thomas. Then we're going to be discussing whether or not we should pick up cornerback Logan Ryan or right guard Larry Warford. And at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about the potential breakout players for the Miami Dolphins for the 2020 season. Now, getting right into it, how you doing, Enzo Red? Doing great, doing great. How are you doing? Doing great. So let's kick it off. Uh, so let's discuss this Parker beef on social media that happened with Michael Thomas. Uh, personally, have you heard about it? Yeah, yeah of course. Um, one of I my... think it was hilarious. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I At first, I was like, really? And then I laughed and... But let's let's get right into it. You wanna you want you wanna start the beef and 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 you know brief take a brief on talking about it a little bit. Uh yeah, I mean like you like you mentioned. I mean I think it was a little ridiculous. It sounds like Devontae Parker. Um, I'm not defending him or anything, but it didn't sound like he wanted anything to do with this beef. Uh, the funny thing is how it started. There was a question asked of which is tougher. Uh, a can you make uh, make a catch while guarded by Stephen Gilmore? or B, break up a pass while guarding Michael Thomas, Devontae simply put A. He didn't write A, hands down. He didn't, he didn't write A for sure. He didn't he just wrote A. That's it. He just gave his, his honest opinion. And, um, and this guy went off on him just for no, for no apparent reason. And um, it's, I don't know, I think it's, it's real easy to talk when you got Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I'm not, you know, Devontae's on our side, so I, you know, I have, it's my natural instinct to defend him, uh, especially that he was a class act and he didn't defend himself. And it was not that he didn't defend himself, but he was real professional about this. And I really like him and I, and I give him my, uh, I give him a hand, honestly, uh, for a young man, he handled himself perfectly. But um, what are, what are your, what are some of your thoughts? I mean, I, I, like I said, I think it's, it's real easy to talk. I mean, it's comical. You got Drew Brees uh, and honestly, getting it from our perspective. I mean, you know, we don't, you know, sometimes when we, we talk about these things, like, we're, we, obviously, we sound one-sided. We sound, obviously, we're backing up Devontae Parker. But I think based on of a lot of, you know, people out there in social media, this was actually, uh, oh, in my opinion, was a win in Devontae Parker's favor because at the end of the day, you know, he was being humble about the whole thing. It was, a you know, a simple question, you know, posted up on Fox News. And it was like a poll that they had ran. You know, like you were saying, uh, was it easier to catch, you know, a pass from, um, you know, defended, being defended by Gilmore, catching a ball over Gilmore, which was A, or B, you know, basically letting Michael Thomas catch a ball, you know, with B. So at the end, you know, a lot of, in a way, it's a, it, was, it felt like a bit of disrespect because, you know, I know that a lot of people, this, you know, fans, obviously, Throughout, you know, since, you know, Gilmore got so much praise about his defense last year and, you know, they always put the tape on what Parker did to him. 
So in a way, a lot of people thought, you know, Parker was taking a shot, but I mean, I think he was giving credit. He was giving credit to Gilmore's defense throughout the season. I don't think it was much more than that. What do you think about that? Yeah, he faces Gilmore twice a season, you know, and he, he knows firsthand how hard it is. And let's be honest, if you if you give a top three corner, Stephen Gilmore has to be there. If you give a top three receiver, probably Michael Thomas is not there. I know last season he, he, he took a tremendous leap. You know, he had 140-something receptions. Ridiculous. I mean, I think he's phenomenal. He's a great receiver. I love his heart and, you know, that he kind of took it personal. I don't, I don't have any problem with any of that. The only problem I have is what you mentioned on is the disrespect part. I'm a big fan of no disrespect, man. I like respect at all times, even with my best friends. There's a there's barriers that you don't cross, and you don't ever mention my parents. I don't care who you are. You do that, and, you know, the nice guy goes away, and I don't know how Parker was able to uh, – he was so mature about this. I mean, I, I congratulate him, and, and I'm proud that he's a Dolphin because you don't mention someone's parents. That's it, plain and simple. That's my only problem with this whole beef thing is that – you could have talked, yeah, I lapped you. Yeah, I got more, you know. I've been in the league, you know, two, three seasons, before, you know, less than you, and, I, and I'm already better. And you could talk all you want about numbers and about the game. That's fine. It's all fair. But when you bring when you bring in, you know, when it, when it gets personal, that's that's when I have a problem. You shouldn't have mentioned right, his it's, parents. It's, it's another form of disrespect. But, like, you know, we wanted to play the scenario for you. We're actually going to read out what they said. And basically, Enzo Red is going to play the part of, you know, Michael Thomas. And I'm going to play the part of Devontae Parker. And remember, like Enzo Red was stating, this started because Devontae Parker just commented on the poll that Fox, you know, put up. And he commented with A, which meant, you know, being defended by Gilmore, it was more difficult than allowing Michael Thomas to catch a ball. So Enzo Red started off by Michael Thomas's response. Yeah, his response to that was, for you, yes, go run some numbers up, then you could talk. I laughed you, and you've been in the league longer than me, first rounder. Parker responded, got some hard feelings there, brother. Let me get targeted 300 times a game. And then Ken Gar Mike followed that up with, in other words, you weak. They don't even put your name in the same sentence as, as me. Remember that. And then he also went on to say, you're still not going to do nothing, um, LOL face. It took you six years and 17 weeks to have a good game. GTFOH, we all know what that means. Get the out of here. Uh, blame your parents, not no QB. And Parker responded, quit crying, bro. Then, you know, Kangar Mike says, you heard what I said. Parker responded, I didn't hear shy shit. Play, boy. And then this guy said, you can't even sit at the same table as me. Now, obviously, folks, like... What I'm Enzo sorry, Red you, can't get, you can't get a seat at my table. Yeah. At obviously, table. what Enzo Red, you know, was saying, at the moment, you got to basically mention and start saying, you know, you're, you're mentioning, you know, your upbringing, your parents, you know, based, based on a discussion, based on an argument. I think there was a problem there. He crossed the line, you know? And that's what you were saying, and you were elaborating on that. And then, obviously, you know, Parker has good points. I mean, I'm confused with some of the things Michael Thomas says. But, you know, Parker made, you know, he made a strong point. I haven't had a quarterback like in the likes of Drew Brees like you had. And, you know, obviously, 
you know, you're targeted, you know, multiple times. Like, you know, obviously it's not 300. It's exaggerated. But, you know, you're, you're targeted the whole game uh, in that offense and for the Saints. So Parker's just basically justifying, you know, I, I could have equal if not better production if I was, you know, targeted as much as you are. But, you know, I, I don't I don't think it was in, you know, made Michael Thomas look bad in a sense because, you know, that was disrespectful, but what he said. But, you know, I could understand Michael Thomas in his in his perspective. I can see why he would say things like you can't sit at my table. You know, I've been proven. I've been doing this. I've been I've been you know, I'm, I'm elite. I'm considered one of the elites in the league. And I think he's just trying to, you know, Parker had such a great season. We want to see Parker continue so he can have those great seasons, you know, accumulated now going forward. But, you know, I, I think that the disrespect was unnecessary, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, listen, you could tell that we all have emotions. And if you know anything about Michael Thomas, he's emotional. He's an emotional guy, which is fine. Um, but you could clearly, you could see that it, emotions clearly got the better of him. When he said, you know, you've been, you know, six, it took you six years, 17 weeks. Number one, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm really confused with six years and 17 weeks because Devontae has five full seasons under him for the Miami Dolphins. And yeah, that's the part that was confusing. The, 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 exactly. And, and yeah, no, and then, and then he tells him, you know, don't blame no quarterback. I want to go on the record for saying, Devontae, we read you everything that they said. Devontae mentioned nothing about any quarterback. He didn't blame it on his quarterback. He didn't blame it on anything. He didn't blame it on the system. He didn't blame it on anything. You know, we all know that New Orleans has a, a pass, extremely pass-heavy offense. You know, it, that's all he said. That's that's all he said. He didn't say, your coach is better than mine. Your QB is better than mine. Fitzpatrick sucks. He didn't say any of that. He didn't take a shot at it. That's why I said, I really like the way that Devontae handled this. And he didn't even have to handle it because... He didn't even look for anything, but apparently he's the one that looked for the beef here, um, according to Kangar Mike. But I think, like you mentioned, I think the whole world got a clear understanding that, yeah, Kangar Mike, is he's a really good receiver. And he's probably better than Devontae, but I'll give it to Devontae when it comes to maturity. So, I mean, at least he won some yeah, kind of it battle. Shows, it shows that Devontae, you know, from the minute he, he got drafted to the Dolphins to the point that he went up to last year, you know, he's developed not only on his game, but I think he's developed a lot of maturity. He showed that, you know, he was humble. He, it was it all started for him being humble and, you know, putting a lot of the jokes that people, especially Dolphin fans, that they were putting out there, you know, on videos, editing, and, you know, basically, like I said, Gilmore being the defensive specialist he is and is just running the Devontae Parker highlights on him. And, you know, he was being humble by obviously saying Gilmore was, a you know, a very good defender, and that's harder. But, you know, I know we're making a lot out of it, but that's how everybody in social media is right now with this. But it's it's a it's a social media beef. It's nothing. I don't think it's going to lead into anything going on to the field. Hopefully it doesn't. But I don't know. That's well, hopefully it gives Devontae, hopefully it gives him a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder this year. And it just awesome. makes him. Yeah, um, of course. That'd be awesome. Now, yeah, it makes him like prove it to him on the field. You know, not, not that trash talking that he was doing. Now, getting right into the next you know, topic that we're going to discuss, you know, there's a lot of rumors that have been going around for about a month already. They started about a month ago about potential, you know, with Logan Ryan signing with the Miami Dolphins. And then up until recently, about two weeks ago, uh, Larry Warford, the three-time pro bowler for the Saints, he got cut. Um, now, 
these are two players that obviously can fill potential, you know, holes that we have in our in our offense and in our defense. And I want to let you, uh, Enzo Red, start it off. How you feel? Um, we're gonna discuss first off. We're gonna discuss um, Larry Warford. Um, tell me what you think about him. Tell me about his fit on the team and the potential of adding him to the roster. If you would like to add him, um. We'll start with Larry Warford, like I said. What do you think about that, Enzo Red? Yeah, Larry Warford, I, I would definitely like to have him. It's not a case where he was uh, he was let go because he can't play anymore. Um, this guy made a, the Pro Bowl each of his last three seasons, so that's clearly not the case. They got Cesar Ruiz in the draft down there, and they're heavy at, at the offensive line, and that's the reason why he was dropped. So that's the reason why I want him. It's not, you know, it's not the reason why I want him, but I'm saying he didn't get dropped because he can't play. Um, he's only he's his age. He's 29 years old, as well as Logan Ryan. So he's not he's not washed up. He's not done by any means. I think he still has at least I see another two three seasons of of great football in him left. So um, I definitely bring him in, and I give our offensive line a little bit of an identity in the middle. That now we have um we have Ted Karras at center, and we have um. Ah, we have the UM, the the lineman that we brought in, the left guard. Yeah, Eric Flowers. And we have Eric Flowers, and I I feel like um that three those three right there give us a little bit of an identity at least in the offensive line. It gives us he's he's an instant um, veteran presence, which is awesome. He brings experience as well. He could help all the all the young offensive linemen that we have. Our team is really young, especially at the offensive line position. Um, this guy. He started all 11, but 11 games in all of his seven seasons, and all of them at right guard. He's a, he's a right guard. You know, he doesn't play any other position. You know what you're gonna get out of him. Yeah, we like versatility, but this guy gives you a day one starter. He is on the blind side of your future, which is Tua, the lefty. So, um, this guy, I mean, he, he's great strength. He's a great right guard. He was blocking for. Someone that we compare Tua to, which is Drew Brees. So um, I'm sure he got help out Drew Brees. I mean, uh, I'm sure he got help out Tua down here, as like he helped out Drew Brees up there in New Orleans. And I, I think I, I definitely want to give him a shot and bring him down here and see if we could sign him for 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 a good up or a good contract. I mean, I've, I've seen that we have 28.7 million on the cap. Another. Another article I read was 23.4, so I don't know exactly what our cap is as of right now, but I think we have enough space to to give him, give him a chance, definitely. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Larry Walford, sir? I mean, right now, uh, you know, we obviously have different numbers. Um, I think according to Spolster, we had about $22 million left um, in money, but obviously, you know, we can carry over money into the next season because – you know, you never know what the Dolphins want to do if somebody gets cut, you know, beginning of the season and it's a potential, you know, upgrade for us. We want to have money. And the Dolphins have never been the type of team that likes to waste all their money going into the season and going into next season. So, but right now, um, you know, Larry Warford, you know, rumors, pending rumors out there, he's looking to sign somewhere around the $7 million range, which is what he was making in his current contract with the Saints. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a good fit because – Obviously, he's a three-time Pro Bowler. He's a three-time, you know, this guy, and he's consecutive. Last three seasons, he's made the Pro Bowl for right guard. Like you stated, he he protected Drew Brees 
you know, why not bring them down here, control their right side, you know, help the development of these young players like Robert Hunt on the right side. They can secure that, and it's going to help us. At the end of the day, you know, if you look at our offensive line, we have a lot of raw talent that we don't know what they're going to do. They're kids. They're young. And it's not, you know, being disrespectful at all. It's obviously, you know, there's a lot of players that are what-ifs, and they're, they need to grow and learn the system. Currently, the Miami Dolphins don't have a leader, per se, um, on the offensive line. You know, if you had somebody that was older and, you know, could actually delegate and, you know, teach you things and teach you different scenarios and different, you know, gave you insight on some players, that's something that comes a long way. What better way than not have a, a three-time Pro Bowler that could come in here with that mindset and help these young guys develop? Now, Larry Warford, he's only, um, I believe he's 28 years old. Um and, you know, looking at our offensive line, our depth, we have a lot of guards, center guards, players. We have about six or seven. So it makes it kind of difficult if you bring him in because then you say, okay, what do we do with all these young guys that we brought in? Um, you know, obviously you would have to maybe trade or cut someone, but instantly he becomes the leader of the offensive line. And what better way not to do it to have these guys learn off of a pro bowler? That's Eventually that's what we need these offensive linemen to be. They want to be, become pro bowlers. And I think learning from a guy like Larry Warford would be beneficial. Um, and I think definitely Miami Dolphins should definitely go after him. That's, you know, offer of, give him a two-year, $15 million deal, guaranteed money, $15 million guaranteed all the way, just so he signs with us. Um, I feel like that would be the correct way to do it. Um, so that's how I feel about it. Now, moving on to Logan Ryan, um, you know, Logan Ryan right now, he's, you know, rumored, obviously, um, just like every NFL player out there, they have a number, they have their price that everybody's well aware of. And right now, the number is going around for him is saying he's looking for a contract in the $10 million range. Um, I remember about a week ago, the New York Jets came out and said that they already agreed in principle with Logan Ryan coming to the team. But Logan went out immediately and tweeted that he is technically still a free agent. And he's looking for the right price and the right deal and the right team so he can go ahead and make a push for a signing. So currently he is a free agent, but spies the rumors of the Jets claiming that they have agreed in principle. Now, looking at Logan Ryan's stats from last year, folks, he's very impressive. Um, obviously, we know he got drafted by New England, and he ended up playing the last three years with the Tennessee Titans. We obviously know how good that Tennessee Titans defense was last year, so he was able to thrive. You know, this is the kind of corner that can play both corner and safety, and that's something that, you know, Miami Flores likes those kind of guys. And let's not forget, you know, at one point, he was coached by Brian Flores. So Brian Flores, actually, they have ties. And these are, this is something that you, would benefit the Dolphins by all means. Now, just looking at it, as a, he had some outstanding numbers last season. And he had four and a half sacks last season. He had four tackles for a loss. He had uh, four forced four fumbles. You're talking about a guy that he can line up on the line. And he can put pressure on the quarterback. Folks, that's something that we need down here in Miami. You know, every time we can add somebody that can, you know, cause havoc and get sacks, I'm all for it. And, you know, he reminds me, he reminds me a lot of, you know, and obviously we, we, we drafted corner in the first round with Noah and we went with Byron Jones. We still have Xavier Howard. And you ask yourself, why would the Dolphins pursue a guy like Logan Ryan? But 
you know, obviously Logan Ryan, he reminds me the style of play is very much like an Xavier Howard, where he, he becomes a pest and he stays locked on you. And, you know, obviously with the uncertainty we have right now with Xavier, you know, we don't know if the NFL is going to come down with a suspension, how long the suspension is going to be based on the case that got dropped and it was settled. You know, we don't know what the NFL is going to do, but obviously we know the NFL is going to have a decision soon and probably in the next couple of days or in a month or in a couple months on Xavier. And you can never have too many corners. So I know for all the folks out there saying we don't, we have too many corners, folks, this is the kind of player that we want on our roster. We can figure it out later. Now, as far as the $10 million range, I don't agree with it. I think it's too much money to pay him at this point. But, you know, I am willing to negotiate guaranteed money, give him a two- to three-year deal, but let him develop, and, you know, we try to figure out what we can do with our pieces. We have to put them at safety. You know, that way we can develop our safety and let Noah thrive. We can do that. But this is the kind of player we need in a roster, and I'm all for it. I'm very excited if the Dolphins went and signed Logan Ryan. If I had to choose, if I had to choose only one, obviously I would choose Larry Warford because that's what we uh, uh, more of a need. But if I could, I, I would sign both. I would try to get a deal done where we can move forward with both of these guys under the contract with a good contract for you know for both sides. That's how I feel about Logan Ryan. Enzo Red, talk to me. Yeah, this guy is a a former third round pick uh, back in the 2013 draft. He's um, excuse me, back in the 2013 draft. He played for for Brian Flores uh, when Flores was a defensive assistant down there, you know, and you up there in New England. He played for him four years, so he knows him very well. Uh, this guy, like you said, last year he had um, he also had 18 passes defended, and he had um, 113 tackles, which uh, with, with along with those four 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 forced fumbles, that was all career highs. You know, you're talking about another guy that's 29. He's not. He's not done by any means. He another person that adds instant uh, veteran presence, adds uh, experience to that corner group, makes that corner group the team down here in Miami out of out of the Miami Dolphins for sure. Now you know if we if we get him again, kind of like Warford, that we have a little bit of an identity in the middle of the offensive line. With this guy, we have an identity on the defensive end, and this guy played. He could play safety, and we all know that. Our two safeties are Eric Rowe. Coming into the season, it should be Eric Rowe and Bobby McCain. Bobby McCain is, has no problem. He, he entered as a corner, so he could play slot. This guy could drop back and play safety for us. He could also play corner. We know about how how the system of Brian Flores, we like to play. At some point, you could play four or five, six corners. You know, and if you if you have Noah Igbenogany as your fourth, fifth best option at corner, I think that's only going to make him better. This guy, he did say that he's okay with another, with a one-year deal so he can get another contract at around that, that price range that you mentioned, around the 10 mil. He wants to get paid, which is what he was going to, he was due. Um, I think the Jets won. So it's, it's a player that if we get him, he doesn't go to the Jets. That's another thing you have to factor in as well. He makes that Jets defense even better. Um, I we did supposedly there's talk there's this rumor that we talked to them already, so I'm interested to see if we're gonna get him. The interesting thing that I, that I found out about him, his pick six in the playoffs last year was the final pass that that Tom Brady ever threw for the for the Patriots. So, I mean that's another thing he did good last year. He had four interceptions, 
So he's 29 years old. He's by no by no means I think is he done. He should give us another two three seasons if we sign him for that long. If we just want to give our team the best chance to win next season, and we want to sign him for one year to see what he's got, we could do that as well. Um, we still we have cap space to at least sign one of the two. You know, if I'm the Dolphins, I try to get them both in here and try to get them both in here cheap, obviously. But um, but I'm interested to see what what they do. I think we should definitely try and pick up one. You know, it makes our team better, and that's what you want. Yeah, that's it's 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 anytime you can make this team better. By adding key pieces like this in free agency is is key, and you know obviously you know like you were mentioning about that pick six that he had on Brady, <coughs> you know Brady's last game, um, before they got eliminated, you know looking back at our game against Brady, you know Eric Rowe the other safety he picked them off too for a pick six, you know what better way to have, you know you have two potential guys uh, at safety that we can put you know that had pick sixes to end the you know the season last year. Um, but that'd be awesome. Now, uh, moving on from, uh, obviously, you know, Logan Ryan and Larry Warford, let's get into the, the last but not least topic of, you know, potential, you know, breakout players that we feel are going to be co coming into 2020 season that are going to thrive. You know, we're going to give you our top three um, as of right now. Uh, we don't know what we are going to pick. This is just basically, you know, we told we told each other that we were going to talk about this, and basically discuss who we think is going to be our breakout player. So the way we're going to do it is, Enzo Red's going to start, and he's going to give me his number three guy, leading up to the number one, and number one being our, you know, a guy that we think is going to break out the most. So Enzo Red, starting off, kicking off for the 2020 season, who is your potential? Your third potential breakout player for the Miami Dolphins. My third potential, I have defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. Uh, he's a former, he was a former uh, first round pick for us, 13th pick overall last season. I think in a, in a defensive line where nothing looked good throughout the whole season, except for, I mean, I don't even, we didn't look good throughout the whole season at defensive line. I don't even want to bring in Taco Charles. And I don't, we didn't look good. This guy, was the only bright spot. You know, he looked good. He looked like we made a good investment in that 13th overall pick. Um, we don't know how good because in anything, in anything in life, especially at the defensive line in the NFL, you need help. And you need some people to draw double teams at times. You need people to penetrate so that you can penetrate yourself. You know, if you're the only, if you're the, if everyone coming into, to, to face the Dolphins, it just, we're just saying, hey, Worry about defensive tackle Wilkins. I mean, it's really easy to, you know, to shut him out. So, but somehow he managed to pull through and, and have a good season. Obviously, he didn't have a good season stat-wise because it's really hard to get stats in a defensive line that doesn't provide stats. You know, but he, he's a guy that showed good footwork. He has a really good first step. He showed that he's, he could be a potential natural nose tackle for us which is, you know, what we're going to need moving moving forward because we're going to go to a 3-4 defense. So we're going to need that big natural nose tackle in there. And he, was, he did a really good job last year for us, for a rookie. And like I said, if you add the fact that we, he didn't have much help, if at all, on that defensive line, not to disrespect anyone, of course, I think Christian Wilkins is definitely going to be a player with the additions of Benito Jones, the undrafted, and Raekwon McMillan. I think this guy is going to... 
he has something to – he has a, a little bit of a team down there now um, in the defensive tackle position. And I think each one of them are going to help each other out. And I see this guy breaking out next season. What do you have, um, Batman 24-23? Who do you have as your as your potential third breakout player for the 2020 season? Well, before we say, Chris, I agree with you. Christian Wilkins is a threat. And I like a lot. I like a lot. I like a lot of the things he brings to the to the team. Now, uh, number three position I have uh, for breakout, you know, most improved, I have Josh Rosen. Um, I like Josh Rosen. I like what he brings to the table, and I think you know the Dolphins have had something under wraps ever since he got benched week four. I've been saying it. You know, there's a lot of rumors that he's he's le- learning the playbook, learning, you know, the offense. He's learning different schemes, and obviously he got the trust of a lot of players like you know Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. You know, eventually, um, you know, we don't know exactly how Tua is going to come into the season. If he's going to come in slowly and we're going to incorporate him towards the end of the season, if he's going to play all season or he's going to play next season, uh, um, not the next, but the following season, 2021. So, obviously, I think Josh Rose is going to step into a position where he's going to have command of the offense. He's going to basically be competing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is just solely for this season coming up. And I think Josh Rosen is going to prove a lot of doubters wrong. Um, and I could be wrong, but I just, I, I don't think, you know, you, you know, Brian Flores and Chris Greer have this quarterback under wraps for almost a full year and they haven't developed him. I, I strongly, I strongly disagree. I think this guy's going to come out guns blazing. And obviously he has chemistry with a lot of the guys we have down here and, you know, on the Miami Dolphins offense, but that is my pick for the number three going into my number two player. Um, I agree just like you with Christian Wilkins. I, I think he's, you know, potential breakout player uh, coming into this season. And uh, I think Christian Wilkins is 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 the kind of player that you, you're not going to see those crazy numbers on the stat sheet. But like I said, mentioned, you know, in a podcast before, in another episode, we I stated, you know, he's the kind of player like Nadamik and Sue where, you know, those stats don't come out on paper or at the end of the day when the game is over, you don't see them. But obviously, you know what the havoc that they caused during the game. Those guys that he lines up next to on his left and on his right and behind them, they know what he brings to the table. And, I, I mean, even, uh, you know, Raekwon McMillan, he posted a video of Christian Wilkins just causing havoc. He was he was playing tape on his Instagram, and he was just playing tape on Christian Wilkins, and it was just impressive. You see that if you really just put focus on him, he just makes a lot of players, you know, be more comfortable at rushing that quarterback and stopping the run. And that's something we like with him. And, and he's so versatile. You know, I, there's rumors out there that since we might run that 3-4 defense, he could even go to defensive end. You know, that's that's how good he is. And I think he can thrive. Either way, how you ever you put him, you can put him dead center in the middle and anchor him, or you can put him on the wing at defensive end. And, you know, he's going to – the sky's the limit for him. And I think this year he's just going to turn another – uh, notch and he's gonna keep improving keep learning his playbook keep learning his teammates and you know eventually he needs to become one of the leaders in our defense and that's what we want him to do and i think he's gonna take that step forward so enzo red who do you have as your number two breakout player for this 2020 season my number two breakout player i have tight end mike gasegi now to us dolphin fans this is not gonna sound it shouldn't sound like much of a surprise especially towards the end of last season where Kasiki went off and, and the last six games he caught five of his six touchdowns and he pretty much put up half of his, his yards 
uh, for the season. He had 570 yards in the season, and the last six games he had 276 of them. Um, he his average throughout the season per catch per reception was 11 yards. Uh, at the end, the last six games, he he put that up to 14.5. I think at, towards the end of the season is where he stood out the most. But this guy from day one to Dolphin fans, he stood out. He's a natural pass catcher. He looks to me, he looks like a receiver at times, to be honest with you. But he's a big guy, so he, he he's more than able to play the tight end position. He's a good blocker. He's I, I think he's a much better blocker than people give him credit for. He's really athletic, and it's crazy. He's never dropped a pass. I know he's only played two seasons, but you know tight ends are are known for for dropping passes more than receivers. And he's not one of those guys that I guess he, he takes big pride in and drops, and which is is awesome, man. Like I mentioned, if you see him line up last year, you could see where he's gonna be. You, you could tie him up. You could line him up at slot. He's gonna be a problem. This guy is six six. He looks like a receiver. He catches like a receiver. He moves like a receiver when he catches the ball. Um, I know that you know that, that video we were talking about. It. I'm gonna let you mention it, but that video was impressive that he posted um, the other day on his social media. This guy, I can see him as a potential pro bowler, to be honest with you. He's that good, I feel, uh, as a as an offensive threat catching the ball. I think he's going to, this year, depending on what happens on the quarterback position, I think this guy could make his name and for sure be in the top 10 tight ends. That's how good I think Mike Gusecki is going to be moving forward for us. Um, and that's who I have at my number two. I would I would have loved to put him on my number one, but I, I'm going to explain why I didn't put him number one when I discussed my number one. Um, no, I, and I mean, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think Mike Gesicki is on pace um, to be a top tight end in this league coming this season coming up. And obviously, a lot of people say, you know, he took forever. Obviously, you know, folks with, you know, Adam Gates down here, the way that they schemed um, Mike Gesicki, what they wanted him to do was to be a, you know, a blocking tight end. And he can eventually go out and catch the ball. But his job was to block. That's what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to make him versatile, which I understand. They wanted to make him versatile in the sense where, like, like a Gronkowski, where he can play, he can do both excellent, you know? And, you know, when Brian Flores came down here, and obviously, you know, he changed things around, and, you know, he saw something in, in Gasicki, and he said, you know what, you, you've you always been a pass catcher. You know, you, you're, like you said, Enzo Red, he's basically a wideout, a big wideout that can go out there and catch the ball, and, and he's good. He's 6'6", and that's something in this league you can't teach. You can't teach height. And I like the fact that I, I think he's going to thrive. And, and, I mean, I'll take it a step further. Like you said, maybe a top 10, he can be a top 5 tight end in this league as far as numbers. I, I think his potential's through the roof. He's athletic. And, you know, obviously every time you have a, a basketball player turned into a football player, you know, sky's the limit. This guy does windmills in the basketball court. I've seen his highlight tape. It's insane. But um, Enzo Red, for your number one potential breakup player for the 2020 season, most improved player in the Miami Dolphins roster, who do you have as your number one guy? My number one guy is the reason why I'm so excited this year, you know, as opposed to other seasons. I'm always excited. I always find a reason to be excited every season about something that we do so that I can have something to hold on to in that season. But this year, we got Tua Tagovailoa, and 
I I just see him changing our franchise. I see him changing our franchise from the minute that he steps in. He might not be his, you know, he might not be completely spectacular like he was at Alabama entering his first game here. But I think from the beginning, we're going to know that we haven't had a quarterback like this since Dan Marino. We're going we're gonna to feel that. We're going to see it. We're going to see his, um, like I mentioned before in previous podcasts, when we talked about the schedule, um, the schedule doesn't fare the Dolphins, especially at the beginning of the season. We play San Francisco, we play New England and New England. We play Buffalo. Touch the really tough division game. We play the Seahawks. I don't think we're going to do that good. No matter how good we do uh, as a team, we're not going to do that good record-wise. So I, I, I think that the pressure is going to build up. I think Tua is going to look fantastic in training in training camp. So that's only going to going to make the pressure worse for Brian Flores, Brian Greer, and and, and the coaching staff. Um, I see Tua breaking out, man. I see Tua coming in in the probably fifth, sixth, seventh game of the season. Who knows? Maybe he even starts the year. Um, I see him breaking out. If, if if he goes in the training camp and he outplays the quarterbacks and he's showing you that he's healthy, you know, why not show, you know, why not put him out there from the beginning, you know? Um, you definitely drafted him because you didn't think he was going to get hurt. So I think Tua is that guy. I know that you love him just as much as I do and just as much as any of us Dolphin fans do. Um, but I, I have him at number one, and that's the only reason why I didn't put Gasicki at number one. I would have had Gasicki at number one. I just think that Tua is that guy. I, I'm with Dilfer. I'm going to turn Dilfer on that. I really think Tua Tagovailoa is that guy, and I think he's going to show it his first season. You know, Who do you have as your number one breakout player for the 2020 Miami Dolphins football season? Well, first of all, I think that's cheating. <laughs> the fact that you picked Tua, um, <laughs> Tua obviously is an obvious choice. Um, you know, if he gets to play, um, you know, he's the potential. He is the number one breakout player. But you cheated with that one. So being my put my my potential breakout player, you know, most improved coming into twenty twenty, I have to give it to Preston Williams. Um, you know, Preston Williams, you know, obviously he's had, you know, issues. He he came in, you know, undrafted. He got the opportunity. He he thrived in his opportunity. He broke out in the preseason. He broke out in practices and other teams' practices when we did the dual practice. And this guy's just a quick trigger receiver that can move and he can catch and his aerial assault, like as far as he can catch balls with one hand, he can he's just he has some impressive <coughs> just overall. He has the potential. Obviously, we have Devontae Parker. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to Devontae Parker because I think he's amazing and he's and he's really good. But, you know, breaking out into the season last year with Preston Williams before his injury, prior to his injury at the time, you know, he was leading the Dolphins in almost all the categories at receiver. And it wasn't until Preston Williams went down that Devontae Parker took it up another notch. And Devontae Parker, you know, he kept thriving and he kept getting touchdowns and more yards and eventually eclipsing the, the 1,000 mark. And Preston, obviously, you know, he didn't get close. You know, he, his season got cut short. But, you know, he was on pace to be successful. And I think Preston Williams, you know, has the potential. And I'm not trying to co- start controversy out there, you know. And I know you might not, you might disagree, you might disagree with me on this one, Enzo Red, but I think Preston Williams 
has the potential to be our number one receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Now, I say that with the most respect to Devontae. I know Devontae at the current moment, he holds that throne. He had an amazing season. It's very hard to, you know, to, to, to have to say that a Dolphin player can, you know, eclipse that or match it. But if anybody can do it, it's Preston. And, you know, obviously he has chemistry with, you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Josh Rosen. You know, they threw the ball a lot to him. So I think, you know, obviously this is a good thing, good problem to have when you have two good receivers. And at the very worst, he can become our number two or solid number two going forward. But I think he has the potential to be our number one guy. And I mean, absolutely no disrespect whatsoever to Devontae Parker because he was amazing last season. But, folks, if, if he develops the way I think he will be, the Dolphins are going to have two 1,000-yard receivers possibly going into the seasons uh, forward. And we haven't really looking looked forward to that since like, the Duper brothers. And I just think this is, is a good opportunity for Preston. You know, obviously – the last thing we've heard with Preston is that, you know, he's healthy. He's He might even play uh, at the start of the season, which is a good thing. I know I know back in before on the Super Bowl, when the Super Bowl was down here in Florida, he was talking about uh, when he was doing media for the Super Bowl, he was down here and he was saying, you know, that he was healthy. He's going to be ready week one. He's going to be ready week one. He's going to be ready for preseason. He's ready. He's ready. He's fully healed. I don't want to rush him. I want him to take his time, even if he's missing some games. But if he is healed, you know, bring him out there. This kid is just his, you know, his potential through the roof. As long as he can stay out of trouble consistently, like, you know, like he's been doing right now in the NFL, and he continues his development under, you know, this coaching staff, the sky's the limit. Now, Enzo Red, um, any final news on anything that we discussed today? Uh, no, yeah, Preston Williams was fourth for me. He, he was just left out in that top three. I, I completely agree with a lot of the, the things you said about him. Yeah, he's a great, he was a, he was a great player for us last season from day one in training camp, you know, and from day one in, in the first game that he played in his preseason game. He's, he, every opportunity he's had, he's balled out. And so I definitely understand that pick and I do see him as a number two receiver for sure next year. So I, I do love that pick. Um, other than that, I think we had a great episode. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Um, those are my my last words. Uh, continue to stay safe and take care of each other and keep your distance. Uh, any last words for you, sir? Um, yeah, so before we sign off, like Enzo has said, hope everybody stays safe. You know, uh, we're, we're excited. You know, we're almost at the point where we can say, we could have training camp. Things are getting better, at least down here in Florida. You know, they're opening up facilities for basketball. So we're trying, you know, we're hoping, you know, I know there's regulations right now with football that they have, you know, certain, you know, things you can do at the facility. We're just waiting for the day where all these rookies could finally come into the facility, start training. I know training camp might be delayed, it's, but, you know, give it some time. Hopefully things continue to get better. And, you know, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning into this episode and have a great night.